Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor, where I gather up the weird little songs I write and then talk about the temporary obsessions that spawn them. Or where I write new songs just so I can talk about something I find fascinating. It's like a memoir in songwriting to put a little music in your life, to cultivate the delighted mind and wallow in all of the wonders of this glorious world. Do I sound high? High on life and music, baby. And now for today's opening song. Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor. I'm Amy Zollers, a poet and an artist, and I'm in one of my moods. A good mood, because we're having a cryptid campfire, a camp out. Welcome to the cryptid campfire on Podcast in A Minor. Could I have almost forgotten to do a Monster of the Month episode, then focused all of my energies on cooking up three cryptid-related campfire tunes? Perhaps. Back to school is here, or nearly. It's about to get serious, I'm told. So let us sing out the frivolity of summer with the cryptid campout. New school year, new intro. Did you notice? Thank you. But back to school doesn't exist right now. Right now, we have set up camp in a wide open plain. The campfire is popping, providing just enough glow to enhance the profound darkness stretching beyond it for miles. What is in that darkness? Who knows? Who can tell? We are overcome with the galaxy spread above us and the temptations of charred hot dogs and s'mores. S'mores, s'mores, bring your spookiest yarn. S'mores, s'mores, tell a freaky tale. S'mores, s'mores. That's right, and all is well. We are weary cowfolk under the stars. The night air is healing the aches of our labors. The fire is mesmerizing. We are lured into song. The wide, spacious high plains carry off several verses of a murder ballad before we notice an unfamiliar voice singing along from a distance, somewhere in the brush, the jackalope. I'm about to tell you a little bit about the jackalope, a supposedly fantastical creature dating back to the 1820s Wyoming area, USA. My information comes from the outstanding but now discontinued podcast, Just a Story, the Urban Legend podcast. The episode, Down the Rabbit Hole, from April 8th of 2017. Hosts Jake and Samantha always had guests on to introduce the episode's topic by telling a little story about it. And their rabbit hole slash jackalope episode was introduced by Jerry and Tracy, 
the hosts of the delightful Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast, which is still going strong. I will now tell you what they told me about jackalopes. Jackalopes are a cross between the alleged and now extinct pygmy deer and a species of killer rabbit. They are very rare. You can lure them with whiskey. Then you can procure their valuable milk if you dare. It's a dangerous task with those antlers. They can run at 90 miles per hour, lightning fast. Hunters protected their shins from jackalope gorings by wearing stovepipes on them. Jackalopes can imitate the human voice and have been known to sing along with campfire songs, and they are usually tenors. Jackalopes breed only in flashes of lightning. Wow, that is one deep well of a glittering yarn. Wow, it's a wonderful world, folks. Who knew the vast high plains of Wyoming held such marvelous secrets? The jackalope. You can sometimes find taxidermy jackalopes in bars and such. Go ahead, tell it your secrets. See if it blabs. A musical cryptid. Enchanting. Jackalopes occupy the folklore category of fearsome critters. Wikipedia describes them as a cross between a jackrabbit and an antelope, mythically speaking, and say that taxidermied examples are usually made using deer antlers. Quote from the article, researchers suggest that at least some of the tales of horned hares were inspired by sightings of rabbits infected with the Shope papilloma virus. It causes horn and antler-like tumors to grow in various places on a rabbit's head and body, end quote. Aw, poor bunnies. But I do like that phrasing, at least some of the tales of horned hares. It leaves room for mystery. That's my favorite. Well, shall we pick up and hike eastward many, many miles to the Missouri woodlands? Just in time for a picnic. Picnic time, just the thing. Weather's fine, groovy scene. So hungry, so am I. Pass me a slice of pie. Do you smell something? Missouri monster. M-O, postal abbreviation for Missouri. M-O, clever abbreviation of monster, Momo. And that little song was the Momo Encounter on the Taylor Gemini mini acoustic guitar out in my backyard. And now, time for a story. The following account is paraphrased from Missouri Ghosts by Joan Gilbert. July 1971. 
Joan Mills, and Mary Ryan had stopped for a picnic just outside of Louisiana, Missouri, on their way to St. Louis. As they told Fate magazine in the November of 2000 issue, both noticed the terrible stench at the same moment. They described it as worse than a family of skunks. The women looked around, already suspecting it was time to get out of there. Then they saw something in the thicket, but only from the waist up, the lower half obscured in the high weeds. It was a creature, larger than a human, and covered in hair like a gorilla. But, Joan Mills insisted, the face was human. In fact, the creature was more like a hairy human than an ape. It was staring at them, interested. Leaving their picnic behind, the women fled to their Volkswagen and locked themselves in. But Joan had forgotten to grab her purse, which held the keys to the car. This gave the beast, Momo, the Missouri monster, as newspapers later named it, the opportunity to move all around the outside of the car, caressing it, the women said, and to stare in at the windows. He made a sound, gurgled in a way that Joan and Mary described as someone trying to whistle underwater. They noticed the palms of its hands were hairless. Joan and Mary didn't notice any claws, though, which were mentioned by others in later encounters. Momo tried to open the car doors, but couldn't. The women feared he would try to lift and shake the back of the car, but he did not. Joan Mills hit the car horn by accident, which startled the creature, but only briefly. At some point, though, Momo wandered away, over to the picnic, ate a sandwich, and returned to the woods. Momo ate a sandwich. That is my favorite part. After Momo ate the sandwich, Joan jumped out of the car, grabbed her purse with the keys, and they drove away, immediately reporting the event to the highway patrol. And, said a deputy sheriff in his statement of 1972, I don't know what that thing's proper name is, but if I meet one, I'll just call it Sir. Reports of several more sightings rolled in that summer, describing the creature's hair as all black, coarse, white, flowing, and every descriptor in between. Its eyes were said to glow orange, its stench to intensify when it noticed people nearby, as if to discourage their approach, and some said it had a pleasant face. Momo. What's that howling out there in the hills? An ice-cold knife cut of terror thrills. Tell me more, tell me more, yo. The kitties on the floor with their eyes all round as the moon. It's the Ozark Halloween. It's the Ozark Halloween. They say a big cat roams in this and gloom, or a black shark dog. was that? I'll tell you what it was. The Ozark Howler, a beast as big as a bear with horns. 
It is rumored to prowl the hills of Arkansas, Missouri, Texas, and Oklahoma. Some say it's like a big cat. Others, a huge dog like the black shucks of England that appear to warn of a coming death. Still other descriptions just say big black creature, the beast, or the demon. Reports and sightings were collected by a man from Arkansas named Saul Ashton. In 1936, he published them as Tales of the Ozark Howler through a small printer shortly before he died. His family ended the book's distribution when he died because they were ashamed of his interracial love affairs, atheism, and affiliation with the Communist Party. Years later, a member of Saul's family had carefully preserved the book, and with all disapproving family members safely in their graves, she gave the blessing for Hawthorne Cornus to publish the book again in 2019. And you can find it on Amazon. It's a great read. The back of the book says, In the hills and hollers of the Ozarks, a dark, shaggy beast with ferocious horns and glowing red eyes haunts the shadowy forests, revealing itself only by its strange, mournful howl, a cry of desperate longing. Accounts in the book describe the howl in this way. A long, strange cry, like the sound of a large, angry pig mixed with the noise of an old steam whistle. A howl, not like that of a coyote or wolf, but something different. It had a kind of voice to it, but another tone as well, one that was practically mineral, like the screech of an animal, but also like a metal blade being scraped over an unmoving stone. In that story, an old man encountered the howler in a general store during a power outage. He managed to escape while the beast was peering directly at him over the top of a grocery shelf right next to him. The old man shoved the shelf over on top of the beast and ran. After collecting himself, he looked in the store window to see if the howler was still in there, and it was, dining on sweet rolls from the baked goods display at the front counter. For many years after that, the proprietor sold that same kind of sweet roll at a special discount price and called them howler rolls in honor of that terrible visitor. That kills it in the best possible way. There's also the story of a stained glass window in 1900 Russellville, Arkansas. The fire-hued window in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church showed Jesus with a hand raised in benediction toward the Ozark Howler, bent in supplication and pain in the face of Christ's power. And they are both surrounded by the Arkansas Hills. Brilliant. The church's new minister in 1904 strongly disapproved of the Ozark Howler's presence in the church window, calling it an idol. A pro-Ozark Howler group arose in the church, led by choir director Miss Miriam Frawley. And in 1907, the minister, Horace Greenleaf, could stand it no longer and threw a candlestick to shatter the Ozark Howler's image in the stained glass on Christmas Eve. Miriam Frawley and her group left the church on the spot, warning the minister that the Ozark Howler wouldn't stand for such disrespect. And within the week, the church burned to the ground, destroying the damaged stained glass window in the process. The window's artist, Robert Turner, had died by this time, and the window could not be replaced when the church was rebuilt. No other artist would take on the subject matter. Let us close with a tale of the Ozark Howler that took place in my home state of Missouri, near the town of Rolla. Two students on spring break wanted to write about the howler for a college zoology class, 
and they set out in hopes of observing it in person. The students, named Jeffrey and Alexandria, headed into the forest to look for signs of the howler. They decided to leave a tuna sandwich out as bait on a tree stump in a clearing and concealed themselves in the woods for hours. Eventually, the howler appeared and, quote, pounced on the tuna sandwich like a gigantic cat leaping on a mouse and consumed it in one huge bite. Jeffrey took notes furiously on his observations while Alexandria snapped pictures with her camera, her hand shaking. Their professor was impressed that they made the effort to find and observe the creature and promised them a perfect grade. But he also discouraged them from pursuing unknown animals in their future zoology endeavors as they would be ridiculed. Science, he said, could accept a new variety of butterfly, but no folkloric or mythical sounding large animals. It made fools of them, they thought, the scientists thought, if a huge creature had gone overlooked by them in their own backyard. When another church caught fire in Howler territory, witnesses claimed to have seen a large hairy beast running along the rooftops, spreading fire wherever it went. This is significant because a similar incident was reported in the 1500s in England. In the towns of Bungay and Blytheburg, two churches were attacked, this is a quotation, almost simultaneously by a gigantic black-haired creature, a hellhound with glowing red eyes and horns, appearing like nothing so much as the howler familiar to churchgoers in Arkansas. Well, that does it for the Ozark Howler. Wow, what stories. How will we ever sleep tonight? Especially thinking of that story I never mentioned in which the howler ripped the door off a barn to get at the horses inside. Yikes. Well, thank you for joining me at the cryptid campfire for our monsters of the month. We must do this again sometime. Send your emails to podcastaminer at gmail.com. Visit Instagram for song videos and various visuals at podcast.in.a.minor. Books of my poetry and artwork are available on Amazon under Amy Zoller's link in the show notes. Artwork for sale on Etsy, Hipness and Outrage. All songs written and performed by Amy Zoller's. Thank you again. See you next time. have almost forgotten to do a monster of the month episode then focused all my energies on cooking up three cryptid related campfire tunes perhaps that is an airplane that airplane is ruining our camping mood i didn't know my sister's backyard with its woods and woodsy noises was also in some kind of crazy flight path okay take two Musta, musta, the Encyclopedia Neurotica. It's my rule in the plan. I must, and I must, and I.